You're listening to audio from Red Rocks Baptist Church. For more information about our church, visit our website at redrocksbaptist.org or follow us on Instagram at redrocksbaptist. How many of you have ever seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, most of us. I have a confession to make. I've seen the whole movie, but not in one sitting. Uh, I've seen it probably seven or eight times in bits and pieces, in snippets and chunks, but I've got, I think, the whole thing covered. And yes, my wife holds that against me because I've not seen it from beginning to end. Uh, This is perhaps one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, right? It's a 1946 classic. George Bailey is a selfless man giving up his dreams of traveling the world to run the family savings and loan business. Sounds like an exciting career choice to me. The savings and loan business, if you're in savings and loans, sorry. But all is not well in the little town of Bedford Falls because Mr. Potter, the greedy banker, wants to put the Baileys out of business. And on Christmas Eve of all nights, George's Uncle Billy accidentally gives a large bank deposit to Mr. Potter in a folded newspaper. And Mr. Potter, being the wonderful man that he is, decides to keep it and views this as his opportunity to put the Baileys out of business. Well, distraught, George begins to think about how uh, life is not worth living anymore. He actually goes to a bridge, and he starts to contemplate suicide, only for an angel, Clarence, to intervene. He was a second-class angel, if you remember the story. And George blames himself for this mess, and yet Clarence convinces him to not take his own life. And you remember how Clarence did that? how he showed George that his life was worth living. He showed him what life would have been like for all the other people he loved if George was never born. What life would have been like for all his loved ones without him, starting from childhood. And that memory tour was enough that George had some sense knocked into him and decided to return home, and there's a beautiful ending because the whole town comes out and donates enough money to keep the business afloat, and they all sing Christmas carols at the end. It gives you that warm feeling at Christmas. Maybe you'll even go home tonight and watch it because you, you heard about it this evening. Well, it's quite the story for good reason. It, it, it pulls on our heartstrings, and it captures our attention. And the key change in George takes place when he sees what life would be like without him. That was, the, that was the turning moment. And that's a fascinating thought because we could ask the same thing about Christmas. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. What would life, life be like if Jesus was never born? Have you ever thought about that before? I think a lot of people in our world actually would probably say, well, my life would be no different. I don't have much else that's related to Jesus, and, and if he weren't born, it, it wouldn't really mess up my life at all. Maybe their lives wouldn't be that different. But I'm not talking about people out there anymore. What about you? You're here tonight. What would your like, life be like if Jesus were never born? Personally, uh, my life would be very, very different. Uh, I wouldn't have the job I have, number one. Uh, number two, I wouldn't have met my wife. Uh, third, I wouldn't be living in Colorado. And I could probably keep going, truthfully. 
there's, there's just many, many things that, that wouldn't be true of me. But, but even more important than the particulars of what I do for a living or where I live and, and what my family is like, although those are big things, there's something even more important. Because if Jesus were never born, I, I would not have the assurance of eternal life. I would not have a relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You see, that it's not just the, the particulars of life, the details that would be messed up if Jesus were never born. If Jesus never came to earth, if he never grew up as, as, as a human being, if he never died on the cross, then eternal life would be unreachable, would be unattainable, It'd be so far out of reach that none of us could get to it. Jesus came to earth at Christmas to give us new life, right? A life of hope, a life of, of joy. We just sang joy to the world. The Lord has come. A life of peace he gives. And in fact, as an adult, Jesus claimed that the very reason he came to earth was so that we would have life and that we would actually have it more abundantly, to have abundant life. At Christmas, Jesus came as life to give us new life. And so for a few, moment, few moments this evening, I just want to give you two simple points. Jesus is life and Jesus gives life. First of all, Jesus is life. He claimed to be life itself. He said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Or a passage that we'll look at here in a moment, John 1, 1 through 4, refers to Jesus as the word. And if you want to know why he's being called that, come back tomorrow morning at 1030 and I'll tell you. The beginning of verse 4 makes it very clear that life is found in the word. The word is life. So let's look at these verses together, shall we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, here it is, was life, and the life was the light of men. Well, verses 1 through 2 shows us that Jesus has always been alive in the beginning was the word. He was alive before anything was created, since he created all things. And the verse continues. The word was with God, and the word was God. That's a very clear claim that Jesus is God, and yet he's separate from God the Father. And this points to the Christian teaching of the Trinity. So as God, he possesses life in himself. He doesn't receive life from someone else. He, he is life. John five twenty six says, For as the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the Son to have life in himself. So Jesus is the source of all life. And actually in verse 3 it says that he created everything. He is the creator of all things. He gave life to everything in the world. That means that Jesus is the source of all life. Anything that lives and moves and has breath and has being has that because Jesus gave it to them. In fact, Acts calls Jesus the author of life. He's the beginning of life. And he grants life even to us who are alive today. And that's physical life that we're talking about, right? We can go outside and see different, different animals maybe if it's not too cold. We'll gather with friends and family and have a joyful time together. But what about spiritual life? Because Jesus does give us spiritual life also, but to give us spiritual life, he had to come to earth to become a human. Jesus brought life into the world at Christmas. 
On November 28th, 2015, my wife and I celebrated a life that came into the world when our son Zane was born. He was our firstborn. On June 19th, 2017, our second was born, Xander. June 25, 2020 was our third, Knox. And sometime in late April, that's what my wife hopes, or early May, that's what the doctors say, uh, we'll have another one that comes, and we'll celebrate another life entering the world. Now, December 25th may not be Jesus' actual birthday. You know that, right? I'm, I didn't just burst your bubble. Also, while we're at it, never mind, I'm not going to talk about Santa Claus. December 25th is not the actual day of Jesus' birth. But, but really, a birthday is the right idea. Because the whole world is throwing a worldwide birthday party to celebrate Jesus coming to give the gift of life to earth. So how does Jesus give us spiritual life? Well, he was born into the world as a human being. Because only a a fellow human could save sinners like us. And yet only God could atone for sin. We get sentimental about Christmas, don't we? We have the manger scene. Uh, Maybe if you have smaller children or grandchildren in the home, you have like the little people manger scene. We have one of those that's like a disaster all over the the fireplace mantle. Thank you, Knox. And uh, we have the baby in the manger and, you know, away in a manger playing in the background. We get kind of sentimental about it. But, But really, Jesus was born and he didn't stay there, obviously. He came to earth on a mission, the mission of redemption. He grew up and lived 33 years on earth, always doing right, never sinning once. And before I talk about the rest of Jesus' life, just pause for a moment. He didn't sin one time at all. Yeah, yeah, okay, we get that, Pastor Zach. <laughs> we know that, right? But, but actually think about that. I mean, how many of us this week succumb to the temptation of greed? Okay, 97% of us in the room. <laughs> he never lusted he never was angry sinfully he never was fearful he never had a selfish thought he never lied things that we do (laughs) far more often than we care to admit and even these little things are sins before god but jesus jesus never sinned not once and as jesus grew up with siblings he had at least five other siblings i mean think about that never sinning and you have siblings Then he started a public ministry where for three years the the demands of the whole nation were on him. Crowds would seek him out. Two times the book of Mark says that he went to get away and people found him when he was trying to take a vacation. Twice he was so busy he didn't have time to eat. He never got hangry. And yet here he is living sacrificially, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead teaching people about the kingdom of heaven and how they can have a relationship through him to God. That sounds like someone who would be just a celebrated, very popular individual. But you may know the the end of the story. At the end of Jesus' life, he was betrayed by one of his closest associates, falsely accused by two uh, two different nations, two different governments, unjustly condemned in the face of several proclamations of his innocence and then subjected to a Roman cross, subjected to crucifixion, which is, and still is today, one of the most excruciatingly painful ways to die. Why did he do all that? And if you rewind the tape, why did he come 
to the manger at all. And it's to accomplish our redemption. Because our sins, you remember the little ones that we talked about? Our little sins even leave us condemned before God. We stand guilty before him, yet he was innocent. Our sins leave us estranged from God, and yet he is the son of God. So why did he come? He he came to bridge the gap between us and God. He was nailed to that cross, and he took our place. He bore our punishment that we deserved. The condemnation that should have been declared on our account was declared on his. And the innocent decree that should have been his was ours. Why would he do all this? And the only answer is love. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still the enemies of God, estranged from him, God said, you know what? I've got this, this whole earth of people that don't love me, that hate me, that sin against me, that break my law. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my own son to die for them. That, that, that's love. Love that can only be displayed by our God. What a sacrifice, right? Jesus gave up his life in exchange for ours, one life for another. And the beauty of the message of the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay in the manger and he didn't stay on the cross either and he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose again. And because he rose again and is alive today, he has conquered death. 1 Corinthians 15 compares death to like a hornet with a a, a vicious sting. And what Jesus did is he took the stinger right out of death. Death's sting is removed. Its power is taken away because Jesus is death's conqueror. And because he is alive, he can offer life to anyone who will believe him. Jesus gives life to any person who believes. This is the glorious truth of the gospel. Though you and I stand guilty before God, the one who was born at Bethlehem and crucified at Calvary, laid down his life for you. And by believing in his payment on that cross, your sins can be forgiven and you can be made spiritually alive. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so there's there's kind of a duality at work here. Though we are all alive today, I think we're alive, right? We all fog up a mirror. At least you did on the way here. Uh, Though we are all alive physically when we are born, we are actually born dead spiritually. We need spiritual life. And that spiritual life, as we've seen, comes only through faith in Jesus. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Receiving Jesus as Savior makes a person spiritually alive. Well, that, that leads to a very important question. How does someone receive Jesus as Savior? And there are a couple of very simple things. First, you admit that you're a sinner. And you admit that your sin separates you from God. And here's the reality about sin. Someone has to pay for sin. Sin can't be just swept under the rug like sometimes we do it at home, you know, sweeping under the table. Eh, didn't quite get it at all. Let's just kind of scoot it over here and we'll pretend like it's not there. Sin is not like that. Someone has to pay for sin. And so there are really only two options. Either you can pay for your own sin or you can take someone else's payment on your behalf. 
If you choose to pay for your own sin, the Bible says that you can't do enough to pay. There's no currency that God accepts. There's no amount of good deeds that he'll stack up on a scale. There's there's nothing you can do that will satisfy God's wrath. And so the people who try to pay for their own sin actually spend eternity in hell apart from him. But there's a second option. And this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about this second option, that Jesus came into the world to pay the penalty so that you don't have to pay for your own sin. He has been punished for you and paid your debt in full, and you can be forgiven of your sins when you trust in him alone. So you admit that you're a sinner. You admit that there's nothing you can do to earn heaven or gain God's smile of approval, but by trusting in Jesus and saying, I'm gonna trust what he did for me, the Bible says that you can be forgiven. His payment will be credited to your account. And when a person believes and receives Jesus, their sins are forgiven, and they also receive hope. That's what Christmas is all about, right? Hope. And, and unfortunately, in our secular world, the hope is, is something shallow. It's the hope of a new season, or the, the hope of new beginnings, or the, the hope of a new car. Well, th- those things will fade pretty quickly. But a person that comes to faith in Jesus has the hope of eternal life. The, ho- the most famous verse in the Bible teaches this, John three sixteen. Whoever believes in him, starting in verse 15, should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus grants to us eternal life by faith. Whoever believes in Jesus will receive everlasting life. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and will not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's a promise. And that's a secure hope that we have. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, eternal life is found only in knowing Jesus. I'll give you another verse, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This reminds me of a little statement that's not original to me, but it goes something like this. No Jesus, no life. No Jesus, no life. It's two different spellings of the word no. N-O, Jesus, N-O, life. If you don't have Jesus, you cannot have eternal life. But if you come to receive Jesus, if you K-N-O-W, Jesus, then you can know, then you can possess eternal life. And that eternal life can never be taken away. John 10, 28 says this, and I give unto them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That's the promise of Christmas. Not that we get to celebrate a baby and and give each other gifts because it's fun and eat lots of Christmas cookies because that's delicious or gather with family because we have to. I mean, because we like to. Uh, That's not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that God said, if you believe, I will give you eternal life and no one will take that from you. 
That's a gift that will never break, that will never go out of date, that will never go out of style. It's yours for all eternity. That's why the Bible was written. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So here's the killer question that we've been driving to for the last 20 minutes. Have you believed in Jesus as your Savior? Have you repented of your sins, received God's forgiveness, and been made spiritually alive? When you walk out of here in a few moments, will you have the confidence, the hope of eternal life? George Bailey found a new perspective on life when he realized that his life was not a total waste. His entire demeanor was different when he returned to that house after almost jumping off the bridge. He had a profound change of heart about his life. Do you need to have a profound change of heart about Jesus? Have you seen the baby Jesus in a new light? I'll ask again, what would your life be like if Jesus were never born? If you have never received Jesus as Savior, you can tonight. That this is the whole point of Christmas, to be saved, to have eternal life, to trust Christ as Savior. And only then will you experience the joy and the hope and the peace that all these Christmas songs talk about. We talk about hope and joy, and it's almost like if we sing these songs enough, then we'll finally get to it. Well, you can sing Silent Night, like we'll sing in a moment, a thousand times, but your heart is not going to go silent until you have Christ. You can sing joy to the world until your face goes red and blue and turns all sorts of colors, but you're not going to have joy until you have Christ. For those of us, excuse me, for those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior, you can think about what life would be like without him. And you would probably get to a place pretty quickly where life would be hopeless. And that gives us great joy because our lives aren't hopeless. Our lives are not a waste. Our lives have been redeemed by the Son of God. And as you gather with family and friends this weekend, remember that Christ was born for you. Without him, we have nothing to celebrate. But with him, we have everything to be thankful for. Thanks for listening to audio from Red Rocks Baptist Church. If you enjoyed this content, please consider sharing it with others. Our mission at Red Rocks Baptist Church is to know Christ and to make him known. May God bless you as you follow him.